Welcome to Open God's Word. Today we're going to talk about Jesus at the temple. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for each one who is with us today, who is listening. Open their ears so that they can hear. Give them understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Jesus cleanses the temple, and we're in John chapter 2, verses 13 to 25. I'll be reading from the ESV. Verse 13, the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, if you're not familiar with what the Passover is, you can learn about it in the book of Exodus chapter 12. There you will find a summary, well, the account of the origin of the Passover. I'll give you a brief summary. The Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, and God sent Moses to tell Pharaoh, the Egyptian king, to let my people go. Pharaoh refused. God sent the first nine plagues on Egypt, and after each plague, Pharaoh refused. To let the people go. The tenth plague was the worst. It was the death of all the firstborn sons. The night of the first Passover was the night of the tenth plague. The Israelites were told by God to sacrifice a lamb without blemish and mark their doorposts on each side and the top with the blood of the lamb. He also told them to have a specific meal which you can find in Exodus 12:8. That night, the Lord would pass through. The houses that had the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and on the top of the door, the Lord would pass over. Those that did not have the blood, death would come to the firstborn son. The Israelites obeyed, and death did not come to their houses that night. The Egyptians were warned, but did not obey God, and the firstborn son in each household died, including Pharaoh's son. Pharaoh was grieved and told the Israelites to go. The Israelites were told by God to observe the Passover forever, and that is in Exodus twelve twenty four. So this was an important and necessary time for the Israelites. They were doing what God told them to do. So let's go on here. Verses 13 and following. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away and do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. And that's written in Psalm 69, 9. Something interesting, some translations say dove, some say pigeon. 
So I looked it up because I didn't know. Many of you may already know this. Dove and pigeon is the same animal. The difference is that the word dove comes from the Nordic language and pigeon comes from the French language. But they are the same, same exact species. They're the same animal. <laughs> so <clears throat> from what we read here, it appears that the temple resembled a marketplace at this time. There were a lot of people buying and selling. Many of the people who traveled long distances needed to exchange their Jewish currency for Roman coins, which were in use at this time. They also needed to buy an animal for the Passover sacrifice. This was a profitable business for the mer merchants. They had a lucrative business opportunity to sell to people who needed to buy animals and exchange their money. Though their intentions were good, which was to make it possible for the people to participate in the Passover, how they went about making it happen disrespected God's house. And that's something to think about. Intentions, follow through, and outcome. If your intentions are good and the outcome is good, that does not make it okay if how you got there was sketchy, shady, disrespectful, or wrong. What you did is not good and God is not pleased. I'll give you an example. Let's say your friend has a fundraiser because she had a tragedy, a family tragedy. You're feeling really bad for her. It makes you cry to think about it. So you decide that God wants you to give her fundraiser $5,000. You don't have $5,000, but you're sure you need it. So you figure out a way to get it from someone else. You take it from them. You steal it. You reason that that person has lots of money and this person needs money. So I'm helping. I'm doing a good deed, right? Then you donate the $5,000 that you took. Your friend is grateful. You pat yourself on the back and say, I did what God told me to do. I know he is pleased with me. I donated a lot of money. Is, I, is God honored in this? No. Is he pleased? No. Is he impressed that you donated money that you stole from someone else? No. This is an extreme example, but the principle is the same even for small situations. The people buying and selling were caught up in the business of getting things done and providing what was needed. They didn't realize until Jesus showed up and disrupted their marketplace that it was wrong. Even then, some of the religious leaders thought Jesus was the problem, not them. They were quite angry with him. So verse 18 Verse, yeah, verse 18 says, So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Now remember, these people had seen lots of signs. They'd seen miracles. Jesus had done miracles for them before. 
And now they were questioning his authority because he upset their marketplace in the temple in God's house. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews then said to him, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. They misunderstood, the Jews misunderstood Jesus, that he was speaking of his death and resurrection. And even at that particular time, the disciples didn't realize what he meant until after he was raised from the dead, after his death and resurrection, then they remembered what Jesus said at this incident here at the temple. And then they believed Jesus and the scripture. Verse 23. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man. For he himself knew what was in man. Many saw the signs, the miracles he had done, and believed. But Jesus did not entrust himself to them. Entrust means to trust to the care of. An example would be a patient entrusts himself to the surgeon. He fully entrusts his care to the surgeon when he goes into the operating room. Well, Jesus knew that he was going to be crucified, and some of those who said they believed would turn on him and call for his crucifixion. He didn't need anyone to testify on their behalf or vouch for them because he already knew what was in them. He knew their heart. He knew if they would change their mind later or if they were lying. That is why he did not entrust himself to them. Jesus knows our heart, too. He knows what is in us. If you are hurting right now on the inside, physically, emotionally, those of us around you are only aware of what you tell us or what we can see. People cannot know what is in you, only what they're told about you, only what they can see about you. They can't read your mind even your family can't read your mind. So when we're asked how you're doing and you respond with fine, well, people assume you're telling the truth. It's not that way with Jesus. He knows the truth. You know, I've responded with fine too. And um, my husband, I know if he's having a really hard time 
or a bad day and somebody asks him how he's doing, he responds with, well, I know Jesus loves me. And I think that's a good response. <clears throat> because sometimes it's a stranger who asks us how we're doing and they might not want us to be blubbering all over them. But if it's a close friend, or if it's a, people who pray for you and love you, or family, then you need to respond with how you're doing. But remember that Jesus loves you. Jesus knows. He knows if you're hurting physically. He knows if you're hurting emotionally. He knows if you're being abused. He knows if you're being stalked, bullied, attacked. He knows if you're having a hard time at work or at home or with your children or with your spouse. He knows. He knows the truth. He knows what's going on. And he knows how you feel about it. And he knows what's on the inside. And remember, we can always go to God in prayer because he cares. He loves us. Jesus knows you better than anybody else knows you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for those who are listening today. Speak to each heart. Be with each one. Help them to feel your love and know your love. And know you personally. In Jesus' name, amen.